So today we are continuing in a series on the wisdom books. That's what the logo means. If you weren't here last week, the wisdom books are not separate books besides the Bible. They are within the Bible. So there's five books especially that have some characteristics about them that are kind of cool. They're mostly poetry, very little narrative about it. They're, they're like songs that have been written either to or about God. They are uh, uh, somewhat, uh, uh, they, they don't necessarily have a resolution. They just make a statement and, and they always give us instruction through the poetry. That's why they're called uh, the wisdom books. And so uh, last week we talked about Job, and, and, and each of these wisdom books has a major theme that runs through them. Each, each of them has this, this one thing that, that you should take away. So, so in Job, you should take away a, a view of suffering that, that says we can't explain it all, but we trust in, in a God who's bigger than anything we might go through. Well, today we want to talk about prayer. Uh, next week, we want to talk about discernment, the, the Proverbs. And then Ecclesiastes teaches us about perspective, and then Song of Songs teaches us about real, authentic, God-like love. So, question about prayer. Our series is called Ancient Truths for Modern Lies, and the world is all too happy to tell us how to explain suffering, how to pray, how to discern how to have perspective, certainly how to love. The, the world is, is all too happy to give us instruction about that, but it's not always good. It's very rarely good. And so today I want to talk about prayer from Psalms, but a couple of <clears throat> warnings. There's 150 of them. And so I, I'm not going to do all of them. I'm, I'm going to sort of go after it from uh, the perspective of their teaching about prayer. But while we're talking about prayer, I, I have a confession to make, and, and I want all of you who are the same way I am to just own it and admit it. Do you ever get distracted in prayer? You're a little attention challenged. Oh, dear God, thank you for your greatness and your goodness, and I wonder if I left the water running. And all of a sudden, you find yourself going somewhere else. Well, that's, that's why some traditions use some kind of a helper, a, a set of beads, or, 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 or some of you need to go into your own place and your own time, and, and some of you need to turn all the lights off except the one on your Bible because you're going to be thinking about everything else except prayer. God understands that we are somewhat challenged. And so today, I'll, I want to start us with prayer and, and remind you of, a, of an acrostic that some of us have used through the, the years to keep us focused a little bit. And the, uh, the acrostic is A-C-T-S, ACTS. And it stands for adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication or, or asking. And when we remember that, we, we pray something like this. Join me in prayer. Almighty Father, we adore you. You are great. We are small. We look at the vastness of everything that you've created, and we cannot help but wonder. We thank you for your bigness. God, we confess to you that we have thought things, said things, done things, 
intended things that didn't bring you honor at all, that didn't point to you at all, but all they did was point to us in our own selfishness and pride, and that's called sin. Father, we have sinned, and we've fallen far short of your glory. Father, we thank you that you have made a way for us. We thank you that in your wisdom and in your greatness, you loved us so much, you demonstrated your love so much for us that you sent Jesus so that we could confess our sins to you and be forgiven, and we thank you for that. We thank you for the world around us, for the people around us, for the, the, the people you've placed in our lives to build us up, to encourage us. We thank you for air to breathe, for food to eat. We thank you for the the suffering that we go through, that it teaches us about ourselves and about you. And Father, we do ask you to guide us, to help us in the things that we do, to provide for us. We, We do ask that you would be kind to us. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. So maybe you pray something like that. And, and you, you have to have a little bit of a reminder. And, and so today I want to talk about prayer. And, and here's where I want to go. The, the Psalms are a lot of things. Okay, they're, 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 there's a bunch of them, but they are included in this collection called Wisdom. So, so apparently the, 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 the people who have talked about this think that there is some instruction for us there. They're directed to God. The poet is talking to God about God. Psalms is the Hebrew hymn book. Sometimes the word Psalter is used, P-S-A-L-T-E-R, to describe the collection because this was a, a collection of hymn book of, of hymns, it was a call to the church. So the Psalms were written as prayers. Now keep in mind that for a large part of human history, illiteracy was the, the, the name of the game. And just like our children learn scripture through singing songs in vacation Bible school, the Hebrews who could not read would learn scripture by singing it. The song was a deep feeling about God. Maybe you passed a field, you've heard the workers singing a psalm. Maybe you would have heard a family relaxing, singing the psalms. And here's the kind of spoiler. The psalms are both a mirror and a map. Sometimes we look at the psalms and we see our own hypocrisy, our own sin, our own problems, the things that we have created. Sometimes it's a mirror, and sometimes it's a map to show us the way. Sometimes we don't have the words to say. Any of you ever been in that situation where there was somebody standing near you and said, you go talk to them. I don't know what to say. You go talk to them. You go tell them. And sometimes we don't know the words to say when we want to adore God, when we want to confess, when we want to thank Him, we want to ask Him for things. We, we just don't have the words to say. And generation after generation after generation of people have simply read the Psalms and personalized it. Generations have, have simply said, I don't know what to say, so I'm going to pray the Psalms. I'm going to let the words of the psalmist be my words. I'm going to let that be my prayer. And instead of trying to come up with the words that I would take before God, simply read the Psalms. That's kind of what I want to do today. Now I want to look at some Psalms that, that are important to us in terms of wisdom, in terms of adoration, in terms of confession, in terms of thanksgiving, in terms of supplication, a big word for asking for stuff. So 
If you would, just bear with me. We're going to pray our way through a message today as we learn from the Psalms. All right. So what does this culture say about this? this? I'm not making this up, people. I found a site that was a mental health site, and it said, I'm not religious, but I use prayer to support my mental health. Okay. Not real sure I'm praying to. Not sure if I expect that anything's going to happen. But you know, the feels improves when I pray. Mental health. That's what the world says. An atheist website said, prayer will help you even if you don't believe in God. Hmm. Trying to wrap my mind around that. I'm trying to figure out how I would pray to someone who has no power or doesn't exist. Uh, That seems like it's sort of a, a condition if you pray to something that doesn't exist. This one made me sad because this comes from a, a former pastor. This last one is a, a guy who used to be an evangelical pastor, and he's kind of given up on God. And so this is what he says about prayer. It became clear that when we stop looking to other worlds for help, we learn to accept that this world is good all by itself. I don't know what world he's living in. We learn to accept that this world is good all by itself. It's all we have. We may find that real prayer is giving a word of encouragement, showing kindness, or working for justice. So, so prayer is, is something that's nonverbal. It's something that we just sort of work out on our own. That made me sad. That's what the world wants to teach us about prayer. The world wants to teach us Christians how to pray. It wants to pr- pray prayers that we shouldn't pray for. And I, I'm not telling you. I know who you are not to pray for the parking space at the mall, okay? I I think that's okay if you want to pray that somebody's leaving when you're coming so that you can park up close. I'm just not sure God cares about that. Uh, I'm pretty sure that when I pray that, God says, well, Alan, you need the exercise. I'm going to leave you a place out by the Marta station. (laughs) And and I'm not sure that there are uh, there are praise that we pray, but, but if you think about the subtlety of that, it's almost like the world has taught us to pray trivial, to not understand that we're going before the God of the universe, and we adore Him. We confess to Him. We thank Him. We ask Him because we've so trivialized prayer. Who wants to pray? Let's eat. And, and I, I wonder, I, I observed in some of the, the reading that I've done that some Hebrew traditions, they pray after the meal. They, they don't pray before the meal. You want to freak your family out? Just start eating. Well, Dad, aren't we supposed to say grace? Uh, we're going to say it after dessert. What? And they want to pray thanking God for what they have just experienced, the, the taste that they've shared, the sustenance that it provided. Yeah, that would really kind of put things in, in perspective if we prayed after the meal. But, but the world has taught us to trivialize prayer. Let me shoot up an arrow prayer. That's fine if it really is prayer. And I have to confess with, with all that I am that, that I am as guilty as anybody else at boilerplate prayers that I get a rhythm going, and I, I get my list going, and I get my, my words going, and, 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 and at the end of it, I'm not really even sure what I just prayed. The world teaches us that prayer can be trivialized. James said it this way in the New Testament, you ask and you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives. 
And the only motive that's acceptable in prayer is that we are drawing closer to God. The only motive that's acceptable in prayer is that prayer is a conversation. It is a a way that I can learn about God, that I can hear from God, that I can draw close to God, that I can be in His presence. Not, Not even about adoring Him or confessing or thanking or asking for stuff. It's just that I get to be with Him. And the psalmist seemed to capture that uniquely. So I want to talk about biblical truth that this sort of speaks into that. Robert shared some of that, that the the psalms are so incredibly honest. You know, there's a bunch of different kinds of psalms. And whatever kind of prayer you think you want to pray, I bet there's a collection of psalms for it. There are psalms of lament. I'm sad. I'm discouraged. I I want to complain to God about it. Those are called psalms of lament. I am thankful. I can, I can look around me and see the, the blessings of family or friends or, or, or I really like my new job. I just want to go before God in thanksgiving. There are psalms of thanksgiving. There are psalms of wisdom. There are psalms of instruction. There are psalms that are called the royal psalms while they, they, they talk about the kingdom of God and, and those are special songs for that. There are songs called pilgrim songs. Psalm, Psalm 120 through 135 in your Bible are called psalms of ascent. Ascent means going up. They would sing these pilgrim songs as they went up to Jerusalem, which is high in the mountains, so they're going up. And they would sing those songs as they would go to Jerusalem for the festivals that they observed yearly. There are, big word alert, ready? Imprecatory psalms, which are, God, would you please curse my enemies? I love that. One of my favorite cartoons anywhere, some of you remember who Dennis the Menace is. Picture a cartoon child. He's praying beside his bed. He says, oh God, I pray that thou wouldst smite Tommy Anderson. It's an imprecatory psalm. God, would you make bad things happen to my enemies? And I'm going, are you allowed to pray that? Question came up Wednesday night. Are we allowed to do that? Well, it's in the Bible. Just read the psalm and see where it takes you. I mean, how honest is that? How, how authentic is that? That there are even psalms that say, God, I am mad right now, and I wish that you would cause bad things to happen. Maybe a flat tire, maybe a dead battery, maybe their insurance gets canceled. Just something, Lord. Cool. Now, will God answer that prayer, or is it like auto-smite? I don't think so. I think that so much of this is what James said. You pray and you don't see any answers because you're praying with the wrong motives. You're, you're not trying to align yourself with the person of God. You're, you're trying to, to, to figure everything out. So I want to kind of dash through about five psalms. I want to do a psalm of wisdom, a psalm of adoration, a psalm of confession, a psalm of thanksgiving, a psalm of supplication. And I'm going uh, to read from the, the Scripture, so if you have your own Bible or a swipey thing, it's, it's much better in your own, uh, but I'll have the words on the screen anyway. Psalm 1. 
Psalm 1 doesn't really fit into the patterns. It's sort of an introduction to all of them, and so it's known as a wisdom psalm. And it compares a pathway of wisdom and a pathway of foolishness. Listen to the words. Blessed, or happy, is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. Let me reread that and personalize it. God, I know that I am blessed if I don't walk around people who are acting foolish. If I don't get comfortable enough to listen to their ideas, and especially if I don't sit down with them and, and begin to embrace what they have to say. Instead, Lord, let me delight in your word. Let me meditate on the wisdom of the scriptures. Let me think about my influence and who I want to speak into me. Is it going to be friends who are foolish or mockers or scoffers? Or is it the word that will give me wisdom? And then the rest of the psalm, he says he compares the two choices. The one who does the light, the, who meditates in the word is like a tree He's planted beside streams of water, yields its fruit, leaf does not wither, and all he does he prospers, but the wicked are not so. So it, it compares and it allows me a place to pray. So I, I pray for wisdom. God, I don't have wisdom. So, Lord, I, I thank you that I can be blessed if I won't walk in the counsel of the wicked, if I won't stand in the way of sinners, if I won't sit in the seat of scoffers. Let me, Lord, delight in your word. Let me delight in your law. Let me meditate on it day and night. Let me be like a tree. Let me not be like the wicked. I, I can personalize this prayer when I don't have any words of wisdom. I can pray God's words, and it will give that to me. Psalm 8, a psalm of adoration. Sometimes the psalms give us context, and sometimes they don't. This one is a real early psalm, and so we can only imagine that David was very young when he wrote it, that maybe he had not yet become king, he had not yet conquered the world, and so forth. My sanctified imagination, I, I have David in my mind having put all his sheep to bed, and he's laying there like a good shepherd would in, in, in between them and danger, and he's laying on his back, and he's looking at a brilliant night sky that is not cluttered with light of a nearby city absolutely brilliant, probably one of the days like we're having uh, this week where it's, it's gorgeous weather and, and at night you just see the array of stars and it's unbelievable. And so I kind of think that maybe David was trying to figure out his words of adoration and so he said this, oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You've set your glory above the heavens out of the mouth of babes and infants. You've established strength because of your foes to steal the enemy and the avengers. When I look at the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set into place, one translation says you flung into space. 
What is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings, crowned him with honor and glory, given him dominion over the works of your hand. You put all things under his feet, the sheep, the oxen, the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air, the fish of the sea, whatever passes through the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Tell you a little secret. Every now and then I, I get to travel to other places to speak and there's this place I go in Texas that is the geographical center of Texas. Texas is a large state, and Brownwood, Texas is three hours away from civilization. <laughs> so any road you take is a desolate road. Most of the time I'll fly into Dallas in the, in the evening, and so by the time I get on the road to Brownwood, it is pitch black. And almost every time I pull over to the side of the road, lay on the hood of the rental car, and look at the sky. It's one of the darkest places I've ever been in terms of light clutter. And I can see the array of stars, and I, and I read Psalm 8. God, you, when I consider the heavens, the moon and the stars that you've flung into space, what am I that you're mindful even of me? Well, what, what am I? that you have given me dominion over anything. Who, who am I, Lord? I see your majesty. I, I can't help but adore him. And maybe you would read his words the next time you just need to be wrapped up in praise. An important part of our discipleship is confession. Confession. The word confession doesn't mean reveal. Okay, God is not surprised when we tell him things we have done. He's God. He already knows. I, I don't get in prayer and say, God, I need to confess that I, and he'll go, oh, no, tell me you haven't. He knows I have. That's confession is not the word reveal, but the word agree. And one of the Psalms that gives us a little hint of what was going on at the time it was written, this gives more instruction than any of the rest of them around it. It specifically says this was written after David did a horrible, horrible thing when he combined lust and power grab and murder and covering up, and adultery, and all of the above. He did those things. His friend confronted him, and we have this psalm of confession. Psalm 51. I pray this prayer often. I have never done all of the things that David did, but I've done things that hurt people. I've done things that I'm not proud of. I've done things that I know don't bring honor to God's name that, that negatively impact me being able to tell someone else about God because I haven't represented him well. I, 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 all of the above. And there are just times when my words of confession aren't enough. And it's not at all unusual for me to grab my Bible Turn over to Psalm 51 and read these words. If I can find Psalm 51 in my Bible. Have mercy on me, God. Not because of anything I've done, but because of your steadfast love. 
according to your mercy. Remember, grace is getting what I don't deserve, and mercy is not getting what I do deserve. According to your mercy, would you please blot out my transgressions? Take your your giant magic eraser and make them go away. Wash me. Cleanse me. My transgressions, my sin is before you. Against you only have I sinned. Don't kid yourself. David sinned against a lot of people. He hurt a woman. He hurt her husband. He hurt his reputation. He hurt everybody in the palace. He hurt the kingdom. He hurt his army. But all of that paled to him in comparison of thinking that God would hold it against him. He says, I've done what's evil in your sight. You're justified. You're blameless. I, I'm of sin. I, uh, my, I was conceived in sin. You, but, verse 6, you delight in truth. I agree with you, God, that what I've done, what I feel, what I've said, so let me be clean. Verse 10, create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit in me. Don't cast me away from your presence. Maybe he was remembering King Saul who was before him and who God cast away from his presence. The, 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 the scripture, one of the saddest verses in the Bible says God regretted that he made Saul king over Israel. Maybe he was thinking about him. He said, I can't stand that. I can't stand being away from your presence. What I've done is standing between me and you. I'm going to get it out there. I agree with you, God, that it's horrible, that it's sin. Verse 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Uphold in me a willing spirit. Wow. Confession. We adore God. We confess God. We thank God. A prayer of thanksgiving. Go all the way to Psalm 138. Psalm 138. Fascinating again. Let me clue you a little bit. Um, Oops. I thought I had another one on here. Psalm of confession. Psalm of thanks. Here it is. I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. So, so the, the, the psalmist here, David, it happens to be, he's thanking God. And I like the way he says this. Before the gods I sing your praise. And it's a little g, not a capital G. So he's saying if anybody ever has a God that they think answers their prayers, whether it's the guy praying to a tree or the guy that says just do good things, He says, I sing before all of that that you are great. I worship you. Verse 2, I bow down before your holy temple. I give thanks to your name, your steadfast love, your faithfulness. There's a surprise. I'm not thanking you for all my stuff. I'm not thanking you for my wealth or my fame or my power or my kids who are behaving or my teeth that are straight and my hair that's white. Usually I say it the other way around, but then I looked in the mirror. I am thanking you for who you are. I am thanking you that I can draw near to you. I can celebrate. I can thank you for your steadfast love, your faithfulness. You've exalted above all things your name and your word. That's where the lyrics to that song came from, Robert. You are exalted above all things. 
Verse 4, all the kings of the earth would give you thanks. Whether they are faithful to you, whether they care about you or not, they give you thanks. Now think about this for a second. A lot of times when we pray, we go straight to the list, right? Go straight to the things that we want God to do on our behalf. I mean, we just go right there. God, I haven't got much time today, so I'm going to go straight to the list. Would you bless me? Would you do this? Would you do this? Would you make this happen? Can I have a parking place at the mall? We go straight to the list. And and we're already talking here about saying, what if we spend some time seeking wisdom, Psalm 1? What if we spend some time in adoration, Psalm 8? What if we spend some time in confession, Psalm 51? What if we spend some time in thanksgiving, Psalm 138? And now we're kind of ready for the list. But something I studied this week really took me off guard here. I expected to find, when I started looking up, psalms of supplication. And the word supplication, uh, the, the noun form of that is supplicant, which is a person who asks for something. In the book of Esther, when Esther approached the king, and if he was going to show her favor, he would extend his scepter, and she could come on in and tell him what she wanted. She was a supplicant. When we ask the IRS for tax relief, we are a supplicant. So supplication is the act of asking. And I fully expected when I started searching Scripture to find a whole lot of places where we would ask on behalf of somebody else. Would you help so-and-so get well? Would you help so-and-so get a job? Would you help so-and-so? Would you help them? Would you help them? I could only find one place where it actually talked about supplication for others. Psalm 36. Oops, did we go away from that? Psalm 36, not 35. Oh, continue your steadfast love to those who knew you, who know you, and your righteousness to the upright heart. So the majority of supplication is for ourselves. The majority of what I found in the Bible is asking for ourselves. And that surprised me. I was thinking it seems selfish. Seems a little prideful to go ahead and, and get my wants and needs out there. What, what, what about others? But then I reminded myself, this is not what prayer is about. Prayer is about asking to be closer to God. Psalm 86. Psalm 86. Okay, back and forth. Psalm 86. Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Okay, what are, what are you asking for? If you're poor and needy, you probably need everything. I am poor and needy. I, I am bankrupt. I, I am spiritually poor. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. And so, so the, the supplicant comes to God and he says, I am poor. I am needy. Preserve my life, for I am godly. That sounds a little self-serving, but, but really the, the, the action there is I am God-word. I am, I am pointing towards you. I realize I can't do it myself. Be gracious to me, O Lord, 
for to you I cry all the day. That's where I really hit the speed bump in that chapter, that verse, that passage. Because I, I have to be real honest and say, I pray about a lot of stuff. God, would you help this? God, would you make this? God, would you let this happen? And maybe I wait for a little while. Maybe I journal for a little while. Maybe I sing for a little while, a little quiet time. But almost every time, inevitably, I'll say, okay, God, that's long enough. Let me go try to figure out a solution. I got it from here. Thanks for giving me peace. I've got it. David, in the Scripture, he says, I cried all day long. I didn't want anything except to get to know him. I didn't want anything except to draw near to him. And in, in light of his psalm of confession in 51, I get it. All I want to do is feel your closeness. All I want to do is see your face. All I want to do is hear your voice. All I want to do is get next to you. Because if I'll get next to you, the things I ask for are going to be your things and not my things. And then it seems like things would be better. Gladden the soul of your servant, for to you, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving. You abound in steadfast love. Give ear to my prayer. Listen to my plea for grace. In the day of trouble, I call upon you. You will answer. The supplicant has no doubt in his mind that God will answer his prayers. So let's review. I don't know what to pray. I'm in a world that's telling me all kinds of lies about prayer. It's, it's the magic pill. Just ask God. Or if they're mocking me, they say, just ask God. Or we got a former pastor who's praying to the air. We've got atheists who are praying to the beach. We've got, we, we've got so many mixed messages. God help me know how to pray. Help me. Give me wisdom. Let me just read a minute. How blessed are you, Alan, when you do not walk in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of mockers, nor, uh, nor stand in the way of mockers, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. God, if you will choose the way of wisdom, Lord, let me have the way of wisdom. And oh, by the way, Lord, let me just sit here and adore you for a minute. Maybe I'm looking at the night sky Maybe I'm tasting a great cup of coffee. But Lord, I'm just going to sit here with you. And my only goal for the next few minutes is to, is to be near you. God, I realize that being near to you is somewhat compromised because there's some things that I've done that I need to agree with you that those are sin and ask your forgiveness. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful, he's righteous to forgive them, cleanse us from unrighteousness. God, I just need to confess. You know what, God, I need to thank you. I need to thank you for a place, for a community of faith, for the ability to, to, to know you. I just, I just need to thank you. And Lord, I'm troubled. I'm troubled by our world. I'm troubled by What's going on? Troubled by things in my family. Troubled by things in my job. 
I need to bring them before you. I, I, I am a supplicant. I need to bring them and lay them before you to seek what your solution would be. And I will wait on that solution. Wow. We go from prayer is a vending machine and I push the button to get what I want to prayer is the pursuit of a relationship where all I want to do is be near God, to be on the page with Him, to see what He wants to do with me and to me and through me and in spite of me. All I want to do is get on the page with Him. Would you pray with me? God, there's probably some people here who have no idea what I'm talking about. Because they have not bowed a head in prayer and said to you, Lord Jesus, I need you. I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to live. But it sounds like your way is better than my way. Would you forgive me of my sins and come into my heart and let me live with you in this life and worship you in the next? God, may I become a follower of Christ. If that's your prayer today, if you're praying for the first time, or for the first time in a long time, Lord, I need you to forgive me of my sins and restore to me that relationship that you intended all along. If that's your prayer, would you see a pastor after we're done here today? Would you go see a person in a green shirt and let them point you or a name tag? Uh, uh, would, you, would you find the person you came with and say, I need to begin that relationship? Father, the majority of us, we've been walking with you for a while. And we confess to you that we forget how to pray. We forget what it is that you're doing in this world because we're so um, overwhelmed by it. The lies that are being told. Thank you for truth that points us to our relationship with you through prayer. God, I pray that if there's somebody here today who doesn't know how to pray, that they'll simply read your words. Psalm 1, Psalm 8, Psalm 51, Psalm 138, Psalm 36, Psalm 100. God, that when we don't know how to pray, we read the words of somebody else who was struggling with it, so they wrote a song. Create in me, Father, a clean heart. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. That I may teach others your ways. That I may celebrate in your goodness. Guide each of us, Father, that this day we would pray just a little differently because we dipped our toe in the water of your psalms. I pray in Jesus' name.